0: Hi, it's Rob West. Do you need help developing a spending and or debt reduction plan? Trained MoneyWise coaches can assist using practical tools and biblical insights to get you on track. You can request a MoneyWise coach by going to moneywise.org and clicking the community tab. The story of the widow's oil in 2 Kings 4 reveals a miracle of provision. Can we learn something from it and apply it to our lives? Hi, I'm Rob West. Does God still provide for his people in miraculous ways? An unexpected check in the mail just when the car needs new brakes. What can we glean from those seven verses in 2 Kings? Well, I'll talk about it today and then it's on to your calls at 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. This is Money Wise, biblical wisdom for your financial decisions. Well, we should always have faith that God will provide, because He promises to, and He's always faithful. On the other hand, God is not an ATM machine, even though some people misinterpret the widow's oil passage to mean something like that. It's often used by proponents of the so-called prosperity gospel or name-it-and-claim-it followers to imply that God will always answer your prayers with financial or material gain. Of course, that's not at all what the widow's oil story is about. Here's what the passage is really saying, starting with the first verse in 2 Kings 4. Now the wife of one of the sons of the prophets cried to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord, but the creditor has come to take my two children to be his slaves. What can we take from that? Well, a couple of things. First, that the widow's husband had been faithful and was deserving of God's provision. But also, the creditor is acting against Jewish law by abusing a widow and orphans. And further, by threatening to enslave fellow Jews, which was also illegal. That sets the stage for what follows in verse 2. There we read, And Elisha said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me, what have you in the house? And she said, Your servant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. Well, what can we take from that? Well, it's saying that we have a part to play in God's provision. He expects us to use what we have, even if it's only one jar of oil. You see, God will often use what we already have to provide in ways we can't imagine. Scripture also has something to say about small beginnings in Zechariah 4.10. It reads, Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Sometimes we don't expect God to provide because we lack confidence in the resources He's already given us. But when we fully grasp that God owns everything and that His resources are unlimited, well, our faith in His provision will grow, and so will our gratitude for what He's provided. Now, let's move on to 2 Kings 4, verses 3 and 4, as Elisha speaks to the widow. Then he said, go outside, borrow vessels from all your neighbors, empty vessels and not too few. Then go in and shut the door behind yourself and your sons and pour into all these vessels. And when one is full, set it aside. There are several lessons here. First, the widow was obedient. She did exactly what Elisha, as God's representative, told her to do. We must also be obedient as we expect God's provision. That means following His financial principles found throughout the Bible. Second, the widow didn't rely on her own resources. She went to her neighbors and asked for help by providing additional containers for the oil. It's not always easy to ask others for help when we need it, and we can't let our pride stand in the way. And third, we learn that God will put people in your life who want to help you if the need is real and you ask with humility. That won't always be easy with money. It could be other resources or maybe important information or advice that will help you turn things around. So again, don't go it alone. Okay, continuing on with verses 5 and 6. So she went from him and shut the door behind herself and her sons. And as she poured, they brought the vessels to her. When the vessels were full, she said to her son, Bring me another vessel. And he said to her, There is not another. Then the oil stopped flowing. Here we see the widow acting with humility. Can you imagine the temptation she must have felt to throw open the doors and tell the neighbors to see what she was doing? But the widow knew it was God's hand at work, not hers, and she resisted any urge to claim credit for the miracle. Just one more verse. In verse 7 we read, She came and told the man of God, and he said, Go, sell the oil and pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on the rest. Here again, we see that we have a part to play. The widow's role wasn't finished. She had to sell the oil in the marketplace and pay off the creditor. But we also see that God provides exactly what was needed. The overall lesson in 2 Kings 4 is that in our weakness, we see God's strength. We're reminded of our dependence on God. All right, your calls are next. Stay with us. We'll be back with much more just around the corner. We are grateful for support from One Ascent Investments on the Money Wise program. They manage a comprehensive suite of value-based investment strategies designed to help Christian investors live aligned with what they value most. One Ascent believes that if your values inspire the way you live, they should also inspire the way you invest. This can be a unique form of worship. More information is available at investments.oneascent.com. That web address is investments.oneascent.com.
1: We are grateful for support from Praxis Mutual Funds. Praxis Mutual Funds has seven impact strategies that are designed to create positive, real-world change. More information is available at PraxisMutualFunds.com. The fund's investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses are contained in the prospectus and summary prospectus. This and other information is available at PraxisMutualFunds.com. Investments involve risk. Principal loss is possible. Foresight Fund Services, LLC.
0: Well, we're so glad to have you back with us today on Money Wise. I'm Rob West, and we're looking forward to taking your calls and questions. Here's the number, 800-525-7000. Let's begin today in Louisiana. Kay, thank you for calling. Go right ahead.
2: Thank you for taking my call. Yes, ma'am. So I um, I have a question in regards to having, I've been saving since I was 15, so I have a good amount of money and my savings. And I have like three different savings account and one big checkings account. And I have about 30,000 left to pay off my house. And I'm just wondering, once my house is paid off, I won't have any debt. And therefore I have no credit. I have low credit because I have no credit cards and I'm 28 years old. And I'm just wondering what's my options. Yes. What's my best options? Because uh, I don't know if I should get a credit card. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Well, first of all, Kay, if anybody could use a credit card responsibly, it would probably be you just based on your description of all the things you've accomplished by 28. You've got multiple savings accounts. It sounds like you're managing your money very wisely, living within your income, which is how you had the margin to accomplish these things. And you're going to have your home paid for in just a few years. That's incredible. Um, so yeah, you, you should maybe be hosting this program. Uh, in terms of the credit card itself, you know, I don't have a problem with credit credit cards as long as we can handle money wisely, which includes only using the card for budgeted items, and if we can't, uh, deciding that we're going to cut it up. Because if we use it beyond our means and we don't have the ability to pay it in full, then we shouldn't be using it. It's really just a convenience factor, perhaps something to use. You know, the rewards are nice, but really it's mainly about convenience. So uh, that is a way you're going to begin to establish credit. Uh, you may have enough credit to get a, an unsecured credit card because you have a home and a mortgage that you've been paying on time. If not, you could look to what's called a secured credit card, which is just a Essentially, a credit card where you'd put a certain amount on deposit with the institution. They'd give you a credit limit up to that deposit. You would charge against it and pay it back each month, just like you would with an unsecured card. They just have no risk because if you don't make the payment, they can take the money from uh, the bank that's on deposit. Uh, but if you pay it on time, they never touch that money. Well, that's going to be reported to the bureau uh, every month as an active account with you being as an on-time payer and that uh, on-time payment. Payment every month with a revolving account, which is what a credit card is, plus your mortgage being paid on a timely basis, should give you uh, a better credit mix, a low credit utilization, which is the balance versus the limit, and uh, you know get you well on your way to boosting that credit score. But I would just continue doing what you're doing and possibly add this. To the mix, but again, only use that for budgeted items. Don't let the fact that you have a credit card change anything with regard to how uh, you know you go about conducting your monthly expenses. Does that make sense?
2: Right. Yes. Okay. And then I have a four-year-old who um, inherited a few thousand due to the loss of his father, and okay. all I don't touch that money. So I want to know how can I invest it to make it more for him
0: yeah so what would be the time horizon on this k? When would you kind of target that you would want these funds available either for some his caretaker like you to be used for you know his benefit or to be able to hand off to him you know when he's uh, an adult, frankly, uh, down the road? Kind of how are you thinking about the time horizon?
2: So being like I can pretty much um, take care of him with my own income. Yeah. Him having his own separate, I wouldn't want to touch that until he absolutely needed it, maybe 21 years old. You know, okay. like I don't even want him to really know about it until I yeah. know he can use it responsibly.
0: Yeah. And what type of account is it in? How is the account titled?
2: It's um,
0: a custodial account, perhaps? It's
2: in my name. Yeah. Yeah. But
0: but for his benefit. Yeah. Well, uh, I think the, a great thing would just be to get this invested uh, with a long time horizon because that's really what it is. Uh, how much, if you don't mind me asking, is in the account?
2: He's got about 60 grand now because I'm always putting in as well as yeah. the state okay. is.
0: His, yeah. Um, very good. So uh, one thing you could do would be to use one of the robo-advisors like Betterment or the Schwab Intelligent Portfolios. Essentially, what you do is answer a series of questions about the time horizon, the goals and objectives, risk tolerance, and then it would automatically generate what's called an index portfolio. So it's a portfolio of exchange-traded funds that mirror the broad market indexes. So you just kind of capture the broad moves of the stock and bond market, largely stock, um, in domestic and international. National stocks, large cap and small cap, a small allocation of bonds. But the great thing is every time you add money, it's automatically rebalanced. So it's automatically invested and rebalanced. And that's free. There's no transaction costs. And then the ongoing annual fee to do this is very low as well. It's about 20 basis points or one fifth of 1%. Uh, So it's a great way when you're kind of just getting started something less than $100,000 for this money to be managed in an indexed approach where you're not trying to pick the winners and losers, individual companies, you're just kind of capturing the broad uh, moves of the market, which there's a lot of data that says that's a very effective, perhaps the most effective for many folks way to invest. And, uh, you know, it's very cost effective. So that would be one way to consider uh, going. And again, it's Betterment or Schwab Intelligent Portfolios. I think either of those could work well for you. So
2: Betterment,
0: yeah, Better B E T T E R M E N T or the Schwab Intelligent okay. Portfolios, which is their robo advisor solution. It's an automated solution, but using a very powerful algorithm, uh very low cost and and could be a great solution.
2: Okay. All right. And as far as um stocks go, what do you what do you think about like Robin Hood accounts?
0: Well, for you or for this account with your son? For me. Yeah, I would probably use the same approach for yourself. Uh, I'd try to get money into an IRA. Uh, you can put in up to 6,000 a year, uh, into an individual retirement account or a Roth IRA. And I'd probably use the same approach. With With Robinhood, you're typically going to try to pick the individual stock. So, you you know, I'm going to choose this stock and that stock. Well, the challenge is when you're just getting started, number one, you've got to do your own research. Number two, you're typically very highly concentrated. So all of your investments are at the risk of one or two or three companies. Well, if if they're out of favor or have a bad quarter, that can really work against you in terms of performance. So a better approach is just to say, I'm going to participate as the overall market rises and falls. And I'm going to count on the historical trends that over time, it's going to be up. And I would say that based on all the evidence that this is going to be the very best way to build wealth. So I would actually open uh, an account for you, perhaps an IRA or a taxable account at the same institution for your son, and then just, uh, you know, use the same approach. So hopefully that helps you, Kay. We appreciate your call. And uh, thanks for checking in with us today. Uh, Let's head to Hollywood. Frank, give me your question, and then I'll answer it on the other side of the break.
3: Oh, okay, yeah. Well, it's two there, really. One is about uh, the car that I have, the, the Camry, two thousand twenty-one, and okay. I got thir- I got fifteen thousand miles on it, and I paying three thirty a month. You know, I'll tell you that uh, a little more. The other one is a co-op in Laguna Woods, which I just put five grand to fix the carpet and paint and fix it up. It's a co-op and. Uh, I was going to sell it, but I fixed it, and I could rent it and get maybe 2200 a month. My maintenance in Texas is eight is 847
0: Okay. So. All right. Let's do this. Uh, you hang right there. When we come back, we'll talk about that lease and your co-op. Should you rent it out? Where should you go from here? That plus your questions, 800-525-7000. We'll be right back. Do you ever feel stressed or anxious about money? If so, that's normal, but you don't have to accept that. You can find peace of mind and financial security. Learn how with the 31-day devotional, Money Seeking God's Wisdom. You'll find powerful scripture and practical exercises for spiritual and financial growth. You can request your copy with a gift of any amount. which you consider a monthly or one-time gift by December 31st? Just visit moneywise.org slash give.
3: We are grateful for support from LightPoint Portfolios, which seeks out family and faith friendly investments for 401k and 403b plans, integrating faith values and fiduciary duty. LightPoint Portfolios offers retirement plans for a variety of organizations such as businesses, nonprofits, and churches. And we're grateful for their sponsorship of the MoneyWise program. More information is available at lightpointportfolios.com.
0: Great to have you with us today on Money Wise. We're taking your calls and questions today at 800-525-7000. We have some lines open Hey, if you're struggling with credit cards, medical debt, or other unsecured loans and you don't know where to begin, our our trusted partner and underwriter here at MoneyWise, Christian Credit Counselors, could really be a wonderful resource for you. They offer a debt management program that can get you out of debt 80% faster while honoring your debt in full. And if you'd like to learn more, including getting set up on a budget and reducing your interest rates, you can learn more at christiancreditcounselors.org. Back to the phones we go. Hollywood, Florida. Frank, uh, just before the break, you were Saying that you have two questions, the first part had to do with the lease. I understand you're paying three hundred and thirty dollars a month for a Toyota Camry. Uh, When the time comes due in, I guess, twenty three months, are you wondering if you should buy it out?
3: Yeah, because I can get it for, I think, around sixteen the residual value, and you know they're they're going up like crazy around thirty thousand. Yeah. Yeah. To lease it again. This time, I put no money down because they gave me what I paid for it on my 219 because they had no cars. But I yeah, think that's yeah. going to change in a couple yeah, of years. I,
0: I'm not a big fan of leases, but I think it, uh, in this case, especially with what's happening with car prices, uh, this could make a lot of sense for you to go ahead and purchase it. You know, even though the car is depreciated, you may be able to get it for less than it's worth, especially given where prices are at right now, The dealer probably doesn't want to hassle with, uh, you know, the selling the car uh, to someone else. Uh, you don't want the hassle of buying another car, especially at these levels. Uh, you probably like the car because you chose it and took care of it. And uh, by the way, Camrys are great, reliable cars. If you didn't take care of it and there's been some damage or you've exceeded the mileage, uh, buying it gets you out of uh, paying those penalties um, and so, what I would probably do is head to kellybluebook.com, kbb.com dot com dot com or edmonds just to find out what the value of the vehicle is. And if the dealer uh, wants the Blue Book value, you might start the negotiation with, yeah, I'm here right now and I'd like to buy it. Uh, We both know that's worth a lot. So what's the best you can do? And see if you can get this for uh, an attractive price. If you can, I'd probably go ahead with it. In the future, I'd love for you to save. Maybe you continue making that lease payment to yourself and uh, try to buy with cash in the future. But I genuinely, generally, like that option as long as you can negotiate a good purchase price
3: great uh, the other one is I have a co-op I'm dealing with that right now and Cal- I'm in Florida that's in California I fixed it up it's empty I lost one month rent I the lady trashed it I had to fix it for five grand in it but now I was gonna sell it but I said you know what if I get 20 uh, if I get uh, 250,000 that's paid uh, I, I'm not, I'm 75 years old. I have a kidney out. I got to make sure I don't go through that money at this time. Cause if I rent it, I can get top rents in California. It's like 2,200 yeah. a month. And uh, I'm only paying 847 with maintenance and taxes. So it's about 1200 a month I can pull in or more. Nice. And I don't think I want to do an annuity with that because it's risky. And, uh, yeah. you know, so that'll keep me going for a while, but it's empty. And I owe, yeah. I owe twelve thousand on credit cards. But I took a loan from Brightstar, and they gave me a variable because I didn't take the money and put it right back in. They fooled me. Mm. I, I, they, I was, I was yeah. on a two point nine, and then they said, oh, they didn't explain it right. I had to get the money and then take it out and put it in. I would have been able to stay on a fixed.
0: Sure. Now
3: whatever I borrowed on it, now six grand.
0: Yeah, Let me weigh in on that co-op, uh, Frank. You know, I think uh, as long as you're willing to be a landlord, it's a little more challenging given that you're, you know, on one side of the country and it's on another. So as long as you've got a plan for that to keep it rented and keep eyes on it, keep it maintained properly, it's a little easier, obviously, with a condo than a single family home. But if you can net that kind of uh, return after fees and expenses and so forth, that would be great because, uh, you know, typically I would look at a if you got a quarter of a million out of it, I would look at uh, a. Afford- percent withdrawal rate a year, which would be $830 a month. And if you're pulling in 1200 a month, plus your asset is continuing to appreciate, I think that makes a lot of sense. Again, as long as you can do it from the other end of the country and you're up for the, you know, just the staying on top of it. And as you just experienced, there can be some downsides to this, which is somebody who doesn't take care of it or moves out in the middle of the night, breaks the lease. Maybe you've got to evict somebody. I mean, you just have to know what you're getting into. But if you account for all of that, then I think this could make uh, a lot of sense for you. Continue to build value, supplement your income, and let's really focus on limiting your lifestyle and taking whatever extra you have every month and paying off that uh, consolidation loan. Frank, thanks for your call today. Uh, Northbrook, Illinois, Claire, how can I help you?
1: Yes, I I was just wondering, uh, my husband and I are both in our late 70s, and uh, we both um, have uh, trust. Trust documents. Um, we, we don't have any children, uh, but these trust documents uh, were written about 15 years ago. Uh, and my question is, when we open a new bank account, it, it, is, is it better, for example, when we open a CD to, to each one of us open a CD for half the amount that we're going to uh, put in the bank in our trust name, or should we put it in a joint account? Uh, I'm just thinking of if one of us should pass away, uh, how easy it would be for the other person to have access to the funds.
0: Yeah. Well, if you opened a joint account, obviously that would be fairly simple and you don't need to do anything else and the surviving spouse automatically has the ownership. If there's particular provisions of the trust, though, that you want to, uh, you know, be uh, in effect here for this particular account, this CD, this bank account, uh, then you would want to title it in the name of the trust, which is going to allow for the uh, the successor trustee to step in if, you know, both of you are incapacitated or, uh, you know, even after death. But if it's fairly simple and you just want to make sure the other one has access to it, you can absolutely just open a joint account and uh, have it in both of your names and it would automatically transfer to full ownership if one of you passed away. So I think either option would be good. It really just comes down to whether or not the provisions of the trust you want to also apply to this CD. And if not, then I think the easiest is just to open that joint account. Claire, we appreciate you checking in with us today. Uh, God bless you and call us back anytime. If you have further questions and that's going to do it for us today. And as we wrap up, let me just say, thanks for being with us today. Thank you for your calls. Thank you for listening. And thanks for being a faithful supporter of this ministry. You know, beyond the broadcast, we have an entire team of contributors and coaches, web designers and media producers working each day to develop tools and content to help you become a better biblical money manager and none of that work would be possible without your financial support. We offer a lot of it for free and that's only because of the generous gifts from listeners like you. If you're not yet one of our financial partners but would like to be, would you visit our website at moneywise.org and click the donate button to sign up? We'd certainly be grateful. In the meantime, please set an alarm on your phone and make plans to join us again next time. I'll be here and I hope you will be too for the next installment of MoneyWise. MoneyWise is provided by MoneyWise Media and listeners like you.